Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight is ADHD, Facing the Hard Truths. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, everybody, this is a bit of a different show. Um, for the God, last 14 years, I think, I've typically had a guest on our show talking about topics. But every once in a while, I do a show myself sharing um, just my experience as a coach. It's not, this show is not intended to be right or wrong or anything, but more just to illuminate a few things through the tell, telling of stories, some client stories, some just sayings that I've heard as a means to, I guess, kind of get your attention. It's one of those shows that sometimes is people listen and go, wow, that's really kind of interesting information, but uh, they don't always engage because sometimes it's information that you really don't want to hear. But for some of you, I thought it would be useful to share this because a lot of times we go out into the world and it's positive, 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 and that's not this show is going to be negative, but this, neg- this show is about the hard truths and to begin to share behavior that I witness often and how it manifests really in service of your self-awareness about your situation. So there's some self-awareness, maybe some validation if you run into the wall. So what this really is about is a lot of times when you have ADHD, people, they don't, they don't, they don't want to face the really, really hard facts. I've done a lot of shows where I talk about there's a difference between those with ADHD that know lots of information 
read all the books, all the telesummits, all the webinars, went to conferences, and they still struggle. And at the heart of that is a lot of people that they know a lot about it, but they don't really want to have ADHD. And one of the things I like to kind of illustrate this is, again, if you're new to our show, there's me some background on this, but I'm a big fan of Dr. Russell Barkley's model of executive function as, as a model of it and how ADHD is an impairment of executive functions. And in studying his model over the years, it's become clear to me that thinking for people with ADHD inside their head is impaired. Now, what I'm talking about is you're sitting at a desk or room all by yourself and you're thinking. One of the things that I do sometimes is I'll ask people, I'll give them six words and ask them to repeat them back to me in alphabetical order. Even though there's six words, many people with ADHD struggle with that little exercise. And I do it with them and explain to them they've got to load the, the words into their head and they've got to hold them in their mind while they put them in a different order and say them without forgetting them. More often than not, somebody forgets a word or they get the order wrong. The point of this isn't to be right or wrong, but I'm trying to put them in experience to witness that doing that in their mind, using their working memory towards a goal, not, not daydreaming, but thinking towards a goal, is impaired. If they were to write those words down, it would be easy for them to, to reorder them. And so that demarcation, in simple terms, is the difference between thinking inside your head and thinking outside your head. I've had many shows where I talk about much of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity, and the idea really is sometimes you have to first address you don't really know what to do. And, and if you go on the Internet, there's all kinds of things that like, you know, you need to chunk it down. So like all those things are the types of things that you can do, maybe remove the ambiguity. Yet what I find is even though I say that to a lot of people, everybody goes right back and tries to do it inside their head as opposed to pace of the hard truth that maybe they need to do it outside their head and collaborate with other people. Um, this is one of those difficult truths. I myself have embraced it. I've got a number of people that I call at different times on different topics and do a lot of just, hey, can I think out loud or can I bounce this off of you? I've got my kids uh, and significant others, parents, friends, all my uh, virtual assistants that I deal with. Um, I've kind of built that into my world. So that's, this is just kind of an example. Another example is I have a lot of people sometimes call me up and saying they need structure. One of my go-to is when you say structure, what exactly are you talking about? Which is interesting because they'll repeat structure, structure, but they um, can't really define it. So often what I do is structure and sometimes, depending on how the person looks at it, is loosely related to maybe a routine. And one of the things that I do is we'll just sit down, okay, what's your daily, what's the day in the life of you? So when do you wake up and kind of where you go? And even though they say we're all over the place, uh, there's, there's definitely a pattern to this. And, and I can't tell you how many people I've worked with over a period of time where we walk through kind of their daily routine um, where they felt they needed structure. And, um, and even sometimes when they did, the challenge of what's going on is not putting the structure in place. It's more self-regulation. They're rolling over to turn off their iPhone because they're using it as an alarm clock, and they just jump on social media, and a couple hours later, they kind of come to, and they try to go about their day. Particularly since the pandemic, I've had a number of people, literally when they grab their phone, they're really kind of done for the day. And the reality of it is, is ADHD is an executive function impairment, largely a challenge of self-regulation. And they are resisting um, the notion that it's impairing their life. And one of the hard truths is for these people is that you're actually not able to manage yourself um, as long as you're of the belief that, you're, that you can do that. 
Uh, a very similar story is I was working with an individual one time, and they were coming, um, you know, wanting to get more done in their life, et cetera. And I started asking them questions like, you know, at night, what do you do? And this is one of those things that's really kind of interesting because a lot of times I have people that have sleep issues. And, you know, what do you do between 7 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning? It's fascinating. It's it's how people don't really think about what they do. But this particular situation, this woman was on um, YouTube for about four or five hours a night. And I basically said, well, you know that YouTube is – uh, they're watching every click, and they really know what you like, serving you things that are of interest to keep you on the screen to sell advertising. And the person's reply was, yeah, well, I've surrendered myself. <laughs> and I said, well, is our work done? Um, no. Well, how can I help you? The, the idea here is the the hard truth is that they were – wanting me to coach them to move forward and a lot of things that they'd like to achieve requires some effort or some work that really kind of can't compete with the self-satisfaction of the phone in working with this individual they were going to try to abstain themselves and they they lower their their time by i don't know 75 minutes and we were kind of parting company because as i said i just i can't compete um with the phone it's going to be more exciting than anything that I'm going to propose. Again, these are some of the hard truths that um, um, people with ADHD, that they're, they're not witnessing that present to. I'm going to go to break and come back, um, tell you some more stories and get a sense of some of this so that maybe you can get an idea, get the self-awareness that you might be doing that stuff and face some of the stuff so that you can kind of go forward. Our secret word tonight is facing. Again, our secret word tonight is facing. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here um, having a little conversation about ADHD and kind of sometimes facing the hard truths. And the fact that there's not a lot of people who talk about this, um, number one. Number two, why am I doing that is sometimes you've got to confront those things in order to go forward. So my next story is an individual – and by the way, ADHD is an executive function impairment – Largely one, that's a challenge of self-regulation. Two things that you need to regulate. One is attention and one is emotions. Most people um, identify the attention span, but they're not always identifying the emotional regulation that's needed. Anyway, this particular individual I had been working with for a period of time and biggest challenge was emotions. And this individual also had a lot of help, had been seeing therapists for years, psychologists, among other people. And at one point in time, 
um, in conversations, it was questioned like, is he going to see these people to get better or to move forward or give himself the illusion that he was doing something, <clears throat> which is interesting. Um, when a conversation come up and I question, well, maybe is that? They said, well, maybe, probably. Um, anyway, kind of let that go. Um, as time goes on, um, we, we keep going back to similar realizations. And what happens when I'm coaching people with ADHD, it's a self-regulation impairment. So what will happen is maybe they want to uh, manage money or maybe they want to uh, manage how much cannabis they're smoking or they want to eat. They'll do it for a period of time um, that they'll revert back to whatever they were doing at some point in time. When you're cycling through this and maybe stopping video games multiple times on a regular basis, as a coach, I begin to mirror back and saying, you know, if you'll notice, we're setting these things up but you're not putting any barriers or putting anything in a way that would make it difficult for you to undo it. So, for example, like taking your uh, Xbox and um, <clears throat> getting rid of it or taking it somewhere else for you to play where you have to go get it. So, and as an aside, I remember back as a kid in the late 70s and 80s, if I saw something on the weekend that I liked, it was kind of, wow, I really like that. Well, in order for me to get it, I'd have to go to the bank because they didn't have ATMs back then, during business hours, which was interesting because by the time Monday rolled around, I'd have to go to the bank during business hours to actually get money. That was a big enough of pause that, I, well, I guess I really don't want that that bad, so I wouldn't get it. You go on Amazon right now, you click, and it arrives at your door the next day. So I'm going back to when I'm dealing with people with ADHD, and this is really reoccurring, you start to mirror back, you know, it sounds to me that you're not really kind of ready to let go and, and put you know, face this and put the things that you need in place that you really need to do. And so one day I get this individual calls in, hey, how are you doing? So I always start with realizations, what are you learning about yourself? And then realize, I realizing that, you know, I really haven't really wanted to do the things that I need to do. Wow, that's a great realization. That's, that's really, really, really good. And then they turned around and said, I'd like to get some coaching on X today. And in that moment, I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, it sounds to me like our work is done. And they're like, no, 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 I want some help. I, well, how can I help you? Because you're basically, as said, we've been working together for a period of time, and you haven't wanted really to do the stuff. In other words, and this is interesting demarcation. They know that they should do it, but what I'm saying is they're really admitting they don't want to do it. Like when they wake up and they have a choice, like well, hypothetically, I could go play video games, I could go on social media, I could go on YouTube. They would really rather do that than do this other thing, which is a really good mo moment of self-awareness that they're, they're saying it out loud, yet it's not really sinking in because they're turning around and having a conversation with me like nothing's changed and really nothing's happened. In this situation, again, it's, it's about standing up and facing the hard truths and that – that you're, you're going through this reaction, the stuff that at the end of the day, you're just really overriding that hard truth. Another example is um, the best way I can, this is not the greatest like situation, but it is. I was coaching an individual that was masturbating multiple hours a day. And um, the epicenter by that, it was really, I think something else, like maybe a job or something, but needless to say, they're doing that. And, and they were, um, I was encouraging them to go to support group and stuff. And anyway, for whatever reason, they weren't making it. 
so literally the individual acknowledged that they were they were present like they were well i'm going to go masturbate um sometimes they would notice it and stop that was rarity but for the most part they always went through with it so on this particular call i was like okay well they acknowledged they hadn't been going to the support group thing and, and you know things were difficult it was a challenge in their life yet then the person turned and said i said what do you want coaching on today well you got any tips or tricks to deal with this and i was like are you listening to yourself like when you think about a tip or a trick like let's say you're able to let's say hypothetically that urge happens the same day and you're able to set an alarm as if to say you shouldn't be go doing that well the thing about this is is if you want to do it you're going to override anything that you put in place i mean literally anything um unless you're like locking yourself away and can't get the stuff like that but but the, the point the hard truth was this person was looking for some piece of cake little thing that as if they had never found it before that all of a sudden they didn't really need to put any effort into this it was magically going to happen again Facing the difficult truth is the tip, trick, or strategy doesn't do it for you. All those are tools to bring your awareness to you so that you basically stop what you're doing and move forward. So um, I was coaching an individual, and, and one of the things that I've always enjoyed is when I've got somebody who is sober from what other addictive behavior and they come to coaching. I absolutely love that, particularly if they've been sober for a couple years because – ADHD is an executive function impairment, largely one of self-regulation. And if they had a pornography addiction, a nicotine addiction, chewing tobacco, alcohol, it, it really doesn't matter. The point really is if they were able to um, step away um, and go through the steps that they needed to do to, to get sober, if you will, and remain that. Well, that's self-regulation. That's something I like because we, they've done it before. Hell, we can do it again. So it's like – and we do a lot of sharing of experience. So one individual actually made a comment one day that really st- stuck with me, and that, that was people don't seek treatment. They don't seek help. And I'm going to add they don't address the hard truth and do what they need, need to do until the pain of the problem is less than – the pain of the solution. I'm going to repeat that. They're not going to do anything about it until the pain of the situation or the problem is less than the alternative. And so, again, this is one of those sobering quotes that really kind of like hits home and makes a little bit of sense because a lot of times, again, people with ADHD, they're, they're not really in enough pain where they're going to face the fact that maybe they should put the Abstain from YouTube or put some barriers in place that they need to do to do that behavior. So, again, I hope this is making a little bit of reoccurring sense. Maybe some of you are, are seeing some of this in your, your yourself. Maybe you don't want to hear it. I don't really know. But the point really is that this is not uncommon in, in the ADD world. So let's go to break. We'll come back. We're going to continue sharing stories and stuff that I've, I've heard over the years with regard to this and the need sometimes just to sit there and look yourself in the eye and say, i got to do something about this. Our secret word tonight is facing. Again, our secret word is facing. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. 
To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now... Back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are having a conversation about ADHD and facing the hard uh, truths, um, the reality of the situation. Now, at the beginning of the show, I talked about the difference between knowing something about ADHD and owning it. This relates to you on the Internet, you hear the imposter syndrome. You got ADHD and you're trying to be a neurotypical, you're trying to imposter, uh, neurotypical. It's just, it's just outright hard. A lot of times... When you own yourself, everything gets a hell of a lot of you, like monkeys kind of jump off your back. I can say that is I got dyslexia and a learning disability. And when I got into the coaching business in 2007, at that time, you needed to get your name out there to, to, to make a name for yourself, particularly back in 2007 when um, nobody even knew what an ADHD coach was, number one. Number two, the mental health community didn't know much about us. <clears throat> Uh, three, everybody got help through insurance carriers, through PPOs and HMOs, through therapists, and we were private pay. Anyway, the notion was I've got to write a book or I've got to write a blog or something to get my name out there. And I'm like, you don't understand. I, that's just that's just too, too hard. I, the very idea – I mean I might be able to write a book and, and consume my entire life. It would not be very fulfilling other than the day it was printed. So I owned it. Well, I'm not going to do that. And so I started Attention Talk Radio back in the dinosaur days of ADHD. I, there was only one other ADHD podcast that was there anyway. The three or four million downloads that I've had over my show is, is far surpassing those uh, that wrote the books and blogs. But my point really is, is that I owned what I had. I didn't just try it harder. I was just like, listen, that's just not my path. In the moment that you own what's going on, you can move in a different direction. So this is a hard truth. It doesn't come up a lot. And I only recently kind of, for me, last summer when I was preparing my presentation for the International Conference on ADHD, again, studying Dr. Russell Barkley's model of executive function, which I can't synthesize it right now, but when you understand the model, you can understand it, the model explains itself, and this is kind of one of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm shortening this, but at the beginning of the show, I talked about thinking inside the head of a person with ADHD is more challenging. It's harder, Okay. Often, um, I'll give people an attention exercise where they've got to calculate something or the six words that I mentioned earlier repeat it back to me in alphabetical order. And they go, oh, and there's this, this thing, which is a, an emotional reaction. Because when thinking is really, really difficult for people with ADHD, there's the urge to escape to your phone or whatever. It looks like a focus issue, but the root cause is more effortful thinking. For all of you who haven't done your taxes out there, you're just emotionally trying to avoid it because it's, the task is just too difficult and too boring, so you could do other things. So if we could just say right now that thinking inside your head is, is difficult and you avoid it, so that's one. 
The other side of it is, is thinking outside of your head is much better for people with ADHD. So writing things down, diagram, doing maps, really tedious type stuff, that's helpful. But um, one of the things we talk about, people with ADHD, they struggle with tedious, repetitive, boring things. And writing everything down all the time is tedious and boring, and that's, that's uncomfortable. So what they do is they escape to do something else. So what I'm trying to illustrate is we have two mutually conflicting executive functions. One, thinking inside your head is too difficult, so there's an urge to escape. Writing it all down to think outside of your head is too difficult, so there's an escape. Either way, people, they, they're, they're escaping being uncomfortable. For any of you out there who haven't noticed your working memory is not that reliable, yet it's a strategy you continue to use if you will. No, no, I'll remember that in the face of the fact that you usually don't remember it. The hard truth is, is you got to recognize either that thinking's difficult and you're not going to remember it and you're going to let it go or that it, the only way you're going to do is to write it down and like have that self-awareness. Many with ADHD don't really face that. I'll have many of them come to me wanting a tip trick or strategy and I'm like, well, there's no getting around it. You got to write it down or you got to think. The easiest thing is to go collaborate with somebody, but often they don't really want to do that. So again, that's another basic difficult truth is that sometimes ADD have conflicting executive functions and it's going to be hard. Just pick your poison. Another thing that I've kind of, this, this is kind of somewhat humorous to me. Um, people with ADHD, it's an executive function uh, issue. I've talked about that one of self-regulation. So if in simple terms, if you get dopamine from what you're paying attention to, you pay attention to it. And if you don't, you don't. And there are some people with ADHD who have an insatiable appetite for learning. Now this doesn't necessarily mean school learning. It's just, just general kind of curiosity. And I, I use the word learning addiction because I've had people show up coaching. They've got three master's degrees. They're certified as an instructor in every form of dance and yoga, and they're pursuing some other things, and they haven't held a job for more than 90 days. And I've talked to them before, like, you know, I think that you might consider or look at yourself that you've got like a learning addiction. Now, technically, that's not an addiction per se, but it's sometimes it's, it's a good like, metaphor to kind of observe themselves in. And What's interesting is this particular crowd, the execution of knowledge, going out and doing something is tedious and boring. And so whenever that's difficult, their solution is to go back and learn something else. Now, <laughs> I had one – I posted a video, an attention talk uh, video about this particular topic, and one guy, literally, he commented, yeah, learning is what, my, what I do to give myself the illusion that I'm being kind of productive. I thought that was really kind of a funny comment, but – this that I've just described plays out in many different ways. I, I actually did a video too one time. I was coaching a gentleman who was talking about all his projects. They never finishes them. And as we started delving into it, we began to realize that all the projects ended when the learning ended. So the, the part of the story I, I, I tell a lot is how he was wanting to remodel his bathroom. And I said, well, you know, I think you really wanted to learn what it's like to be a carpenter. Once you learned how to do the different pieces of it. You didn't finish it. You just got like three quarters of the molding up and oh, I learned what that's like. And then you were off. And so, so the project visually was to remodel the bathroom. Um, intangibly, the project was to learn what it was like to be a carpenter. When that was done, it was done. Um, and the hard truth is he just like, likes to learn and piddle with some stuff. He doesn't really like to finish it. Of course, I tell that story and everybody's like, so what do you do to finish it? Well, the moral of the story is if that's how you are, I don't know if you're going to grunt your way through it. Just start a project and say, before I 
do this, I got to get somebody to finish it after I after I learn it till it's not done to, to fill in that gap. Which is funny because that still sends people's like what what but but no again the hard truth is is you like the learning part you don't like the execution part. Another thing too is um, people with ADHD they don't realize that sometimes they're going to have to do a lot of work for their life to get better. They're going to have to be uncomfortable now. Well, the urge is to be comfortable. What they're trying to be is comfortable and get where they're wanting to go. Uh, I've had a number of people make posts to me on Attention Talk video on my YouTube. Um, I've got a couple of videos on boredom, and many of them are like, I'm so bored, like nothing in our world is exciting me. And I'll say, well, are you? how much are you on YouTube or social media? And invariably, it's a lot. And as I described to them, it's like when you conditioned your attention – um, down to just stimulation because at the end of the day, um, going to those things is exciting. It takes you out of boredom. But the research is relatively clear. If you don't have a lot of short-term boredom, that leads to long-term boredom. In other words, when you're doing an activity like on the Internet and it's constantly stimulating you and it's a reward, nothing that you're going to do is going to be able to compete with that level of stimulation. It's almost like you've got to go through rehab to kind of pull yourself away for your attention to kind of come back to where it was. So my point really is, is when you're getting those little hits of dopamine for these little activities that you're doing constantly, um, at some point in time, nothing is going to be as exciting as that. And you're going to have to go through a period of time where you're willfully uncomfortable in order to kind of get back. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard truth that many people um, with ADHD don't want to face. I've kind of droned on about this with many different stories about what's going on. But the thing about one of my learnings, my mother was a second grade teacher, and she used to have this thing is, you know, hey, that's easy. Kids will say this is easy, that's easy when they're in school. My mom made a point of it is, is, is when something's difficult, you need to say that it's difficult because if you say that it's easy and it's difficult, you're not giving it the respect that you need to in order to do something about that particular issue. What I hope today is that I kind of illustrated sometimes there's these hard truths that you've got to face, and they're hard. Number one, I'd like you to consider them and doing what you need to do, but I also want you to know that these things are hard. If you've got ADHD, the urge is to seek comfort. In most of the illustrations today, people were seeking comfort. You have to expose yourself to some difficult times, which is very, very difficult, which makes this very, very, very hard. Whenever I'm working with somebody who is going to try something, like I've had people say, listen, I'm going to put my cell phone down. I'm like, okay, so if you put your cell phone away on a lockbox or you get a flip phone, what are we going to do with you to occupy your mind? Because if we don't manage that, it's going to be a problem. So, like, by the way, you're also more susceptible to relapse and stuff like this when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, or stressed. And so the idea is we design around some of that stuff, realizing the first day or two of maybe having a flip phone is going to be the most uncomfortable as if you're detoxing. Um, but we focus in on making sure the mind is occupied so that you are not so having to fight the urges so much because you're uncomfortable because you're bored. Anyway, bottom line is, it's difficult to face these hard truths, but a lot of times people are stuck because they're, they're going around in circles and addressing everything that they can except for the elephant in the room on something that they don't want to face. So with that, I hope you get in pause for you to think and ponder. 
Hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. Uh, We'll be coming back to you with some more info. Have a great week. Take care.